Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, and welcome to the Ideas Roadshow podcast. I'm Howard Burton, your host and creator of Ideas Roadshow, and I'm delighted to be partnering with the New Books Network to offer you our uniquely eclectic blend of long-format conversations with a wide array of intriguing and knowledgeable people. A long-standing interest of mine is probing just what, if anything, it means to talk meaningfully about the cultural distinctions between East and West, a theme that came up in past Ideas Roadshow conversations with UC Berkeley businessist Maria Mavrudi, best-selling author Pankish Mishra, and UCLA film expert and Chinese translator Michael Berry, to name but a few. Now it's architecture's turn, as I have the great good fortune to chat with Zheng Chun, one of three founding partners of China's award-winning and rapidly growing architectural firm, Mad Architects. Candid, thoughtful, and highly engaging, Chun offers a revealing window on the complex dynamic of combining aesthetic sensibilities, cultural traditions, and historical understanding within the highly competitive and deeply practical world of building design and construction. The office you called it MAD, and some people call it MAD. What? What? Yes, uh, both, both way. <laughs> and you, you should know the Chinese. Chinese of MAD is MAD. It's actually a very bad word. It's like your mother or something. So oh, wow. it's, it's, it's a, yes, it's very bad words. But it's attitude, like a, you know, just like MAD or MAD. It's it's kind of attitude. We like that. Well, it makes you stand out, presumably. Yes, yeah, so the, the office's characters. Yes. Right. And you guys started in 2004, is that right? Correct. Yes. 2004. Yes. So yeah, let me, I can introduce the office a little bit. Please. You think? Yes. Please. So yeah, 2004, uh, started with uh, three partners. Uh, all three of us uh, educated in our basically two Chinese, me and uh, Yan Songma, uh, then Yusuke, uh, he's Japanese. And uh, all three of us. Even we, you know, kind of already crossing kind of international way, and uh, you know, Chinese, uh, Japanese, we all educated in China and in Japan. 
um, for our college education. All three of us educated as architect, basically for our lifetime so far. And then all three of us has uh, educated outside of our country. Me and my and Zhong uh, educated in the United States, American, and Ed, uh, Yusuke uh, was studying in London. So it's, uh, we start even before 2004, we all in our kind of a practice for somebody else, we started to do competitions at that time, 2000, let's say 2000 to 2004, uh, there's a lot of competitions uh, in China, a lot of opportunities, let's put this way, a lot of opportunities, a lot of foreign architects starting to go into China and to do practice because in the way for young creative architects globally, that's, uh, uh, let's say, a testing ground or lab. You can be very quite, quite brave and quite creative also not so experienced. I'm not, uh, we have a project in Paris and uh, we have practice in the United States at the Lucas Museum. For me, I also practiced in the United States before I coming back. For us to understood, even though, even nowadays, the, the, I, I always very positive in the condition. I will, I will say the China is much more open-minded. That's kind of the overall situation. You know, it's not just because of architects, you can think something, then you think that could happen, but also means the client, the government, the city are much more, including the people you're going to build for or design for, they're much more open-minded. They think something, they will say, wow, okay, there's something I, I haven't seen before. Can you explain to me? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, let's do it. I want to get back to uh, some of the comments that you made, and I'd like to also get back to the early days of the firm. I, I saw a lecture that you gave when you said that you entered something like 200 competitions in one year, which struck me as Correct. quite simply <laughs> mind-boggling. So so I, I'd like to get back to that. But if I may, I'd like to be a little bit more personal and start with you as a young girl or, or perhaps older in terms of your interest in architecture and how that developed. And just ask you straight out, were you always interested in architecture or did you have an epiphany at a, at a certain age when you thought, yes, this is what I want to be? How did that all begin for you? Uh, no, at that time, I don't know architecture when I started with in the high school, you know, before entering college. I have no idea what architecture is. I'm very good in physics and math. I was saying, dreamed in someday I could be, you know, scientific in science and this kind of this kind of uh, career and uh, one of my cousin older cousin uh, who started architecture and one day you know before i enter the college you have to pick your in china you have to pick your your you know what you're going to study from the very very beginning and he said wow architecture is interesting you can draw uh, you know you can go out to draw like artist but in the same time it's quite engineering so I draw well as well. When I was in college, I thought, oh, okay, that's architecture. So I applied and uh, yes, I like it and love it. It's a part of the, I, I have to say it's part of life. I never treated, even start with very beginning. I have no clue what architecture is. I like it immediately. I never consider all because of my personality. I never considered by, by you know, back to high school, when I very good in math and physics, 
I, I never consider as something a job. You know what I mean? So right, it, right. whatever the, the, the things I'm imagining in the future for the rest of the life with, I'm still very young, 18, 17. I never consider something it's like a job. Right. It was just your passion. Exactly. Yes. Uh, you know, maybe it's because of the family. My parents both are very dedicated to their engineers. I'm very dedicated to their career. And I never have that kind of thought, uh, you know, from my parents or say, oh, okay, I had my job done. That's them. They are part of the engineering. They're part of that's who they are. So for me, it's a, it's a kind of automatic. Architecture kind of attracted me. You know, I can draw. It's you know, you have a camera, you have a pen, you go out, and at the same time, I think what I good at. You know, I, I, I'm very in the way. I'm a very logic person. I, I, I do it very clearly, and um, I think things slowly. So it's 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 part of me. So I, the physics and math part I get, and the engineering aspect I get. I want to probe a little bit more on the drawing side. So you were able to draw, uh, obviously, from a young age. You had a talent there. But was it something that you were practicing yourself? Did you like to do it? Were you doing it in yes. your spare time before you even knew what, what architecture was? Yes, that's, uh, that's another thing. It's uh, one of the one, one studies in the physics is uh, I could imagine why doing well. And I think very quickly when, when usually, you know, there, I remember there's a few classes so in the physics when the, when the teachers asking questions, people starting to you know, pick, their, pick their pens and to come calculate. I can answer immediately the answer because I put the images in my head in 3D. I think that's ah, somehow, I yes, I, even nowadays, well, we'll talk later, the Chinese cultural history, e even with a uh, uh, philosopher book, I usually put 3D pictures or connections net in my head to understand the book and what to say. Wow. So, so it's not just drawing. It's, it's the three-dimensional aspect as well, because I mean, there are obviously, I mean, I can't draw in two dimensions, uh, but that's just me. But, uh, but uh, so it's, it's not just your ability to draw, it's, it's, it's even beyond that, your ability to visualize in three dimensions and represent yes, in things in, in three dimensions. Yes. Wow. Well, now, now, I re, now the more, you know, again, getting older and more experienced, even, you know, I read books, only text. There's no image, you know, versus all the, all the architects' book, you, you, you know, image, visual after another visual. I always imagine, I talked to one of the philosophers said, wow, in your book, I see three-dimensional different skills. Let's say, sensory, the functions and the world is, is a media skill, it's connected with people, the human skill and the, the heaven, the, the sky, it's another skill. So I think the more you practice in the way in my mind, I, I need that. I need the overall picture. That picture is hard to draw, but I can imagine where the bones, where the structures in my mind to connect all the possibilities or what the book uh, try to express. Wow. Well, when my cousin talked to me, say, oh, architecture, I immediately think, wow, city. There's uh, buildings and uh, there's a uh, space. So, you know, you, I uh, immediately attract to it. I can, well, I was very young. I think I can, I'm not, you know, I don't remember why it's so, or one point I'm so attached to it. It just, you know, my cousin said, oh, you can draw. It's a building. 
it's uh, you know and also you need a calculator you need to make sure it's reliable structure wise it's in part of the engineer so it's a great combination of your skills clearly uh, it, it seemed to be particularly well suited to you sometimes i ask people I mean, this is a bit almost mystical, but to some extent, whether they, they chose a, a career or whether the career to some extent chose them, it seemed like you were very, very well suited, both in terms of your creative orientation, your pictorial, your representative abilities, as well as your calculational instincts and your, your logical rigor, as you said before, with math and physics and engineering and, and, and all the rest. So it seemed like an ideal combination for you. Yes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lucky one. I'm a lucky one. The same says, go back to MAD's Madis office. We are, we are quite lucky. You know, we are quite young after, like you mentioned, uh, actually it's two years of 100 competition. Well, still quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but we are, I have to say, yes, we are, we are quite lucky. It's, uh, you know, for architects, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's winning competition, international competition. I started to start with, you know, very kind of nice career. It's a tradition, uh, again, but we are very lucky. You only, you know, one of thousand or one of 10,000, you can, you can come out, yes. Yeah, but let, let's go back to your formation. So you decided that you were going to be an architect. Your parents, I presume, were very supportive of this. Is that is that a fair statement that they thought, oh, wonderful, you seem to have a clear sense of direction. This is a, an interesting profession. And so they were they were supportive. Is that is that a fair yes, statement? Yes, absolutely. Yes, they're very supportive. But in another way, we think, let's say, wow, I'm quite old now. 30 years ago, when you entering college, the Chinese percentage of entering college is very rare. It's like one out of a thousand. So as far as you can enter in college, your parents are all very happy. Uh, nowadays, it's, the percentage is much higher. I, I just noticed they said 50% of the high school students, basically after, after all the competitions, 50% can enter in college. But back then, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it's very hard. I don't even remember this, they said it's supported or not, but they're very happy. <laughs> sure. Was was this was this low percentage? Was this across the board for all subjects, or was it was it oh, specifically yes. for architecture? No, no, it was no. no. For, for, for all subjects. It's a, for all subjects. All high school 10, 30 years ago, or 40, 35 to forty years ago, all high school students, you know, apply for college. We all need to take exactly the same. I don't remember seven or nine uh, tests to get entered. And uh, there is, uh, they will tell you which line you're up. So one, one off thought. Right. And how long is the program itself? So you enter, you, you, you're one of the lucky few or the deserving few, I, I, I should say, who, who makes it to university. You begin the program in architecture. How long does that last? Five years. Education of, yes, for normal, that's uh, similar uh, with the United States and in, in, in China. Uh, all the other college students, they study except uh, medicine. Uh, they are, I believe, seven or even six years. Architecture is five years. Okay. And it was at that point that you went to the United States to study, and you mentioned that uh, one of your partners went to the United States and the other uh, went to the United Kingdom. And, uh, yes. So is this a very common practice, this understanding that you have to go further afield to have other experience? Is Is there a... 
unnecessary orientation towards the anglophonic world would some people equally well go to to spain or to france or to uh or to australia well i guess that's the anglophonic world <laughs> but so is it, it would it normally be the united states and the united kingdom or that would those be the, yes, the that's two another, main, main you're, you're, you're very sharp and sensitive that's that's uh, that's changes at that time 30 years ago or Chinese students, college student, again, it's one out of a thousand. Uh, everybody wants to go towards the United States, no other place at all. But nowadays, for this reason, five to 10 years, everywhere, Europe, London, France, I, you know, I have, except I just, at the beginning, I was talking about many foreign architects come to our office. Also for the Chinese architects, young architects, they come to our office, they all, most of them educated from someplace else. So again, it's a similar situation, including some high school students directly into college in the United States or in Australia or in France or in Europe. So there is a big change. I can see now you remind me at our time, everybody, I will say, well, 80%, 90% or 95% of people, all discipline, not just architects, go to United States. Right. In the last 10 years to now, maybe the population, the numbers, you know, the, 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 the accurate number go much, much higher. So they are everywhere, including Singapore, including Japan. A lot of people at that time, okay, another direction is go to Japan. Oh, really? United States and Japan, 30, 30, yes. We have the, we have a kind of a different Beijing or the northern part of uh, China, most of us, except Shanghai. At that time, a lot of Shanghainese go to Japan. I don't know why. <laughs> look into it. I, I should have actually asked you this, but I forgot uh, when we talked about your uh, your early days, and, and uh, we're going to move on from that very, very soon, but I never actually asked you what part of China you were from. Or where, I'm from where Shanghai. You I'm from okay. Shanghai, yes. Okay, so that's why you mentioned that. <laughs> okay. Maybe, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so so you go to the United States Hold on, let me let me back up just one little bit before you go to the United States. You do this five year program, and what was that experience like for you? Did you did you just become more and more enthusiastic and and more determined that this was a wonderful field that you made the right choice that architecture fit you? Did you have a clearer sense of what aspects appealed to you, what aspects didn't appeal to you? I have no clue. That's no clue. It's my experience because <laughs> it's not today's date. You have all the information. Imagine 30 years ago, you really has no clue of any information. Computer just started. I still use, at that time, school, we use pencils, we use pens, right. we use the rulers to draw all the architect drawing. There's no computer. So let alone, you know, all we think take it, you know, very advantage of all you have information so one day you know everything so you know the five years is quite playful it's very the architecture students has a very limited small group we only have 21 students so that's a kind of a normal skill of one class so you know you 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 draw you learn from the teacher but uh, well mind thinking very deeply about architecture wise uh, i i don't know so i i I only remember, okay, I learned how to draw. I know architecture is, I know engineer, 
that's, you know, well, at that time, maybe because I'm still quite young, you know, from from 17 to 22. And uh, it's, uh, yes, I don't have that open-minded. So that it's super clear for me, at least really for me, there's to my great teacher in the United States, our state. And uh, that, well, that moment in my memory, wow, this is architecture. So that's the first five years, I might, I might learn skill. Well, now I, I feel like, especially with MADs design, we, we talk about beauty, we talk about taste, we talk about kind of a little bit hand drawing of that feeling. We, 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 you know, we talk about you know, personal feelings quite a lot to express into architecture and in this moment. Uh, maybe I build my skill foundation and eyes to, to, you know, to get to today's point. But where I clearly remember, open my mind about architecture is in the United States. Okay, so you arrive in, in Iowa State. And what was that whole experience like when you were there? Because it's different culture, different language, different traditions. Especially uh, in the middle of anybody? nowhere. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. Even nowadays, you are like, uh, well, why you go to you know a foreigner thirty years ago? Why you go to Iowa? Like uh, in the coin, or very you know, you, either you go to you know you go to United States, you go to New York, you know, go to uh, you know California. Uh, you know, you don't go to or you go to Chicago. And, uh, but uh, that's the only, it's very clear, that's the only school gave me scholarship. China is quite poor. They're, my parents is kind of uh, not middle, middle class, but they're, they're doing quite well. But at that time, there's no way I can afford a tuition fee. It's also very good at basketball, Iowa. Uh, yes, so yes, I don't know yes, if you're exactly. a basketball fan. <laughs> no, but... I'm not, but I know that, yeah. I know that, yes. So our state, it's again, uh, at that moment, it's quite a special faculty. Basically, two uh, professors uh, who actually basically opened the mind of me towards architecture, Catherine Ingraham and uh, Jennifer Bloomer. Both are female, and they're a very theoretical person. And uh, only at that, I believe, five, five six years, I stayed for for one year to teach after my graduation uh, in our state, that quite international or international-minded group in the middle of United States, including my you know, classmate there from Canada, from Belgium, and from one another professor of uh, a German professor, and uh, Mikesh, who's a brilliant mind. There's nothing he doesn't know. So that's, uh, well, I don't know, really, I'm lucky. That's the moment, I believe, in our state is a different moment. It's not uh, in the middle of the United States. We are quite open and they, you know, we, uh, we, went, to, we went to Rome and what they have been, uh, the, the professors, the three professors I mentioned, they are their international, their international mind, and they have very strong theoretical thinking behind uh, with uh, the teaching, also with education, and also with what architecture, you know, at that stage globally. So I'm, I'm very lucky. That's opened my mind uh, towards architecture at that moment. 
And then from there, you also held a position, you became involved in the Pratt Institute. Yes. What was that like? And how did that experience come about? I talked for a summer, it's Catherine Ingraham went to Pratt. Yes. I see. Uh, she held a position, I believe, a director of graduate school architecture. So she bring a couple of the students who graduated from our state and uh, to teach at Pratt. Right. So I'm guessing, so correct me if I'm wrong. So then you went back to China and you founded with your colleagues, you founded MAD. Is that is that correct, correct. at that, at that yes. point? I know Yen Song Ma, one of the, the Chinese partner actually from New York. We have a kind of a, a kind of a common group, only 20 some architects when we were quite young, all Chinese oh, so you, architects. You met him in New, in New York? Is that where you met him? Yes, yes, yes. Well, not personal, just like you and me, we met. At that time, the internet is quite connected. And then we have this 20 uh, same background, the Chinese educated, also United States educated architects, we have this group. So I met him through the internet from there. And we started to do competitions, yes. So uh, presumably it was always the plan for you to go back to China and and start working as a professional architect in China. Or is it, well, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. So I'm guessing that that was the case. Was, was that the case? No, no. When, when we graduate, there's no, 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 at least for me, I'm not sure, Ma, uh, it's not the case. It's, it's, that's why I'm entering architecture office for two years in the United States. But in the meantime, uh, like I said, the three of us are starting already in our real, real time, you know, after the daytime in, in, in the other office and in the nighttime, three of us are starting to do competitions. The more you do, I think three of us, the personality is quite in the way different, but also the mind is the same. The more you do, you, you think you can do, as a young architect, you can do much more in China. You know, the other is Japanese. How could you imagine a Japanese go to China like 20, 70 years ago and stay? And he speaks very, very well Chinese. So no, I don't, I don't believe it's the first, but you know, when we start to collaborate, well, we again, we don't think that much. You know, we think, okay, maybe the China has more opportunities. That's why we're coming back. And when you talk about the relationship between the three of you, obviously there has to be, I would imagine, again, I'm putting words in your mouth. I'm going to try to stop doing that. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would imagine that there is a sense of, of personal chemistry, but I would also imagine that there might be uh, a professional fit that that one of you is better at this sort of thing than the other or or that uh, or that you necessarily look at the situation in a similar way or describe a little bit the relationship between the three of you in terms of the the dynamics not uh, presumably there's a personal connection obviously it would be hard to imagine going into a partnership with people you didn't like but I would also think that there would be a good professional fit as well yes you're you're, you're absolutely right but it come naturally. Let's put this way. I talked to you know to the other person or other people. Three of us never. For the last, uh, we collaborating almost. You know the, the the office is officially seventeen years, but we collaborating a couple years before that. So for the last nineteen years, we never discussed anything about you should do this and I should do this. Interesting. So you absolutely right. But 
we never discussed, we never say, oh, you are, you're not a designer, you're a designer, I'm good at management, I do management, never. But you can imagine that two boys, I'm the only girl, and uh, naturally it happens. So the second point, first is the United States, our state professors open my mind to the professors, but the second is for the last 10 or 10 years, you know, because our three of us personality, uh, I, I believe all three of us become stronger and stronger in what we are good at, naturally. Because I do more what I'm, you know, compare with this too. I manage the team, I talk to the client, I explaining to them the design, thinking behind it, I'm good explanation, but at the beginning, all young people are very shy, hard to speak, but I'm a little bit better than those two. <laughs> one, is, one doesn't speak Chinese at the beginning, the other is like, a, a, the client speak very slowly. And once the client, the, the foreign client said, oh, my answer will speak very slowly. I said, it's not about you. Even his Chinese <laughs> speaks very slowly. So yes, naturally kind of, you know, we, we, we kind of make others stronger in our natural characters, but we never, even nowadays, we never say, oh, you, you, you got to do this. Uh, you know, let's, let's say what three of us do separate, uh, you know, you do this and we never, <laughs> we never discussed. <laughs> Well, that's probably why it's worked so well, uh, because it, it 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 obviously is a good fit, and it's relatively intuitive. And if you're yes. doing what you're what you're better at, chances are you're going to enjoy it uh, yes. more. Yes. So let's move to the. We talked a little bit. Uh, there was a, a little bit of email exchange about this, and you had mentioned this at the beginning before we started recording. Uh, aspects of of the the philosophical approach and yes. aspects of your your, your, and by your, I mean uh, the three of you, perhaps, and the, the entire company now, which is, of course, vastly more than three people. Would you say that uh, that MAD has a somewhat different philosophical approach than than other architectural firms? And if so, how? Uh, yes, and uh, in progress. Like I said, uh, uh, well, now, well, when we're talking to you, I might need to think back the first 10 years. We are, that's why at the beginning I'm talking about, we're really practice. Practice means doing. Right. You know, we don't, we think, yes, in the architecture field, we think, okay, what the space should be, how this beautiful landscape involved inside and out, how our shape to be. But I think, after 17 years or 15 years, uh, the thinking need to be much deeper than just in the only art architecture field. That's why actually in recent years, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested in philosopher in, in, in archeology span mm. and uh, in architecture history in China uh, has been 5,000 years, especially the origin of the city, I, again, I'm, I'm uh, well. I'm even educated in the United States, but I'm still quite interested in everything about China, the origin of China. So I'm looking back to say that's why I'm saying we, you know, we're still talking about architecture, and um, but I'm looking more. I'm read much more than just the discipline 
all the history of architecture. You know, it's, maybe it's because again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, you know, 5,000 years of history. I'm, I'm a positive person. Everything I'm looking into the positive side. How can a, a nation can continue you know, there's up and downs, different uh, conditions through the 5,000 years. So what are the architecture? What are the urban? What are the spiritual at the origin? How the whole entire China becomes, throughout five years, 5,000 years, becomes China. You know, it's different with West. So when I reading much, much more outside of the architecture field as a book, I automatically to compare East and West. It's, I think that's, uh, that's uh, for me, as a Chinese, as the more I read, it's automatic question, why we are different in design, in philosopher, in global, in, in political uh, situation, in the urban situation. Then, you know, the reason why I mentioned Archaeology is not only the artifacts, not only you know you, you look at the beauty or the lines or the joints of three thousand years or the or the Song Dynasty's very pure, very minimal design, but much more in terms of the origin. Why the I have to say the East and the West are totally different in terms of a philosophy thinking for the last thousand years. But what's the origin? You know, of course, I'm architects. I'm, I'm interested in urban design, architecture. So I'm looking into the origin. Then I automatically, in the way to looking, how to compare the West and the East. So back to East uh, thinking behind it. At least so far, we uh, think through is uh, it's uh, it's uh, the so-called united think things not just one element, not just one person. The Chinese, uh, in terms of the philosophy behind the countries and the families and the person, the person never is a, it's a unit. The smallest goes to family. So you can imagine the family neighborhood, family's connection, and the top one is, uh, well, there's a, we call 天下. 天下 Tian is uh, sky, xia is below, but the so-called translation is uh, the everything under one sky. So anyway, it's, it's just a deep, for me, it's, you know, to look, looking into architectural history in a much, uh, much uh, so-called professional way, not architectural way, gave me the method how I can, I'm still not doing it, I'm still in the process, how can I find the origin? The question, where, does, where everything starts in China, means architecture starts, a city starts, a neighborhood starts, a space starts, a line starts. How can I find that and to carry and bring it, well, if you see some of our images of design, we are quite, they call, futuristic. But behind it, the deep down, we 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 chasing or we are feeling we are Chinese. I mean, I don't mean person. I mean, I mean, you know, spiritual ideas, concepts, the spaces, architecture we designed, we create a quite Chinese. So I'd like to explore that in more detail. 
the distinction between East and West. But before I do, uh, I'd like to talk about a, a more general aspect that relates to what you were just saying, or at least in my mind. So I can imagine that if one is involved in the design and construction uh, of a new building, there are a whole lot of different interests and a whole lot of different orientations that have to be balanced. There is the sense of uh, the utility from the individual users, the functionality of the space. There is the sense of the aesthetic quality of the space from the position of those who are using it, both on the inside and also as they're going to work every day or, or using it every day or what have you. But then there's also this sense of the contribution to the cityscape, the contribution to the outside environment, the idea that the people who may never even use the building or go into the building, nonetheless, are impacted in an aesthetic way in terms of what it's doing to their community and so forth. These are very, I would think, generic issues that are beyond distinctions between East and West and so forth. So first of all, uh, my first question is, is that a fair way of looking at things, that there is this distinction between the, the impact that you are making on the community level in terms of the cityscape and the individual level in terms of the people who are going to be using the building and going into the building and participating in the building? Is that, is that a distinction that makes sense to you as, as an architect when you're going into a project that you're thinking about these two areas or is it different than that? Well, that's when you start a project. You know, you have a so-called client. You, you, well, I will add one more element into it. And uh, for the architecture-wise, the client not necessarily is a final user, like you said, of that building. You know, maybe the public building is the public building is is, but you know, for the residential, the developers they are building buildings, but the users who's moved in, hope you know, to, to, to live there or, or, or work there is not the client. So the one element, basically three elements balanced, I think, from the client side, what they asked for. Then from the user side, what the architects from us, you know, what we could imagine, how can we create office space, which, you know, fit and work and leading the users to use the office space differently or the public within the office space is a public space, but public areas can, you know, can be rich experienced when you live, work there. Then the third is to the city, yes. You know, one single building for China with our project, sometimes it's a whole city block. You know, we're talking about, uh, we, we're, going to, we're, we're going to have a new kind of a release, uh, a project release, which is the social house. It covers six blocks of uh, urban, real street. So that impact, not just the people, 4,000 people, 4,000 families going to live there, but also to the city, to the neighborhood. Right. How that, you know, that's more kind of residential. What we did. If you, well, for the Chinese residential, uh, let's say, uh, groups or a few buildings, they, they usually have a wall around them for so-called security. You only can get one door in into this, you know, the residential, your, 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 your residential complex, then one door out. For us, cover six blocks, we open up Every single, every single building, so they're all open to the urban condition. So the people can go in through the, the, the residential complex. But in the same time, 
we connected on the second level, which for the people who live there, 4,000 families can move freely, you know, pedestrianize it's without disturbing by cars on the second level. And we have also in the pro has a project in the other country. The fourth element, which is well, quite important, is culture. If you design something in Los Angeles, you know, not let alone the weather condition is different with I design something in Harbin, which is very cold, but also, you know, what is the culture there? What you, it's, it's a Lucas Museum. We need, so I think they calculate one kilometer in diameter, you have 13 or, or, or 15 schools. You know, how people experience it. For Matt's design, the experience going through the space, starting from the beginning when you look all high-rise, all box buildings around it, then you see immediately something different. Then when you're getting, starting to get close up, you see, wow, the landscape actually can bring you, not only happened on the ground level, but also can bring you to higher, second or third level, so I can go up and look more than I'm at my height of 1.5 or 1.8 meters high. So we bring people's eye level to different, to the public, to experience the city as they never or they hardly experienced it before. Then when you closed up, the Chinese way of deal with even one single building is sequence of like music, you're starting very slowly, then you go very quickly with the rhythm, then sometimes you open it up, then you're going higher. So that's, I will say, during, you know, with our design, it's crossing culture, crossing um, nature. We want to bring the nature into the building, going to persons, public people, the, people who use the building or the people only look at the building, different experience from visual to human skill to experience the space, but we want it to become a sequence instead of just one. That sequence has to be connected. You know what I mean? It cannot be take one out. Well, one maybe wall, you know, it's like a mon monument, you will like a wall that's different but they build for each other step by step. That's, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm starting to use examples of what we design and what we're going through, the design process, what we're looking for from very far entering the area. Look at it, wow, different, wow. Oh, I can go up, I can go, there's a garden on the second level, wow, the roof up. It's different. I want to look. At, I want to look into it. I want. I want to see it. Then, when you're entering the building, the interior space is a gray space, which in between the interior and outside, then you know it, it's it's one up to another. So even with a single building, doesn't matter the size of the building, even doesn't that matter of the function of the building. You know, we do music hall, we do opera house, we do residential, we do social house. We also do landscape, kindergarten, sometimes so quite small. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So uh, one of the advantages of these types of conversations is that uh, I'm a non-specialist and I have an opportunity <laughs> to talk to specialists. So what that, what that means is that sometimes when people are specialists in a particular area, it's natural that they use a different language, that they have different concepts that they take for granted. Sometimes this is jargon. Sometimes this is a more refined way of being able to express ideas. But I'm not an architect. And I have some, I have some questions to ask you. And, and I want to be very concrete because that's how I can understand things. So let me, let me take a, a concrete example and ask you some concrete questions. Let me, let me attempt to do that. So I've had the opportunity to see several of your projects. One that was given to me recently struck me as particularly beautiful. And, and it was this uh, library in Heinen Island, I believe. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, I can't remember what it was called uh, offhand, but it, it struck me as a, as, a very, as, a, as a beautiful and welcoming space. Now, I don't live in China. I don't live in Heinen Island. Uh, I understand that uh, you talk about, you use these metaphors about using space and going from low to high. There's the, obviously the sense of designing something that has to fit into the, to the environment. But here are my two concrete questions as I look at this beautiful building and I think to myself, that's a beautiful building. If I lived in this space, I would be very happy as a citizen to have a, a building like that. But my questions are, uh, my concrete questions are twofold. The first is, how is this building different than, than what another architectural firm might have produced? So how is MAD unique in that respect? And maybe it's not. And then the second, which is perhaps a more pressing issue based upon what you said earlier, is how is this uniquely Chinese? I'm not Chinese, as we all know. So I don't pretend to have any any great uh, awareness or sensitivity to to the culture at all. I don't speak the language. I only know a little bit about the history. Uh, but I look at this building and I think, wow, this is a beautiful building. Were I to live in that place, I would be very happy if such a building were to be uh, produced like that in, in, in that environment. So how is this uniquely Chinese? Because I don't personally, I don't get that. Do you understand what I'm what I'm yes, asking? Yes, yes. These two questions, it's basically one thing. Um, well, it's if 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 well, I give you concrete. <laughs> if if we use one sentence to to answer it, I will say it is designed as one uh, united as one whole object inside and out. I'm not talking about only well, architects West and East it doesn't matter. They all, we're all talking about inside out. The whole thing is, can you imagine, you have a paper, you cut the paper, it becomes, you, you don't cut it slowly, you cut the paper, a few openings, then you fold it, you fold it, when you fold it, the outside used to be outside, you know, because it's up and down, turn into inside. That's that special building, well, for bad, that's the first time, because it's smaller enough, we can do it. It's the whole thing. You're thinking about one paper you cut a different way, then you fold it, you twist it, and then put together. That's it. 
the inside and the outside all come from one united elements. It never separate. It, it coming back to the one I'm talking about is the experience of great space. The Chinese-ness, maybe I shouldn't say Chinese-ness, it's the great space, which is not inside, it's in between. It's melted together. That's what we consider the, the, the experience of the sequence and the melting together without saying you or me. We say two. We use the Chinese word two means zen. So individual never is a unit. Same thing goes to the architecture. We don't, you know, compare with other library. You can, any of the library you go into, you, you, you kind of separate the lobby space. And we do have lobby space. We have a reading space. We have individual space. But architecture is different with writings. We use architecture language. You said architecture product. But we, we say language. The language we use in architecture means the openings, the, the materials, the concrete. That one made, made by concrete the lights and one space, you, one of some of the pictures you might see, one space you're looking into multiple space. So one element united, not only say folded one elements together, but also means the space are connected and our thinking behind it when we're designing it is treated the landscape and the inside as one element. It's open to the ocean. So it cannot happen in some place else because that one open to the ocean. And uh, the to, towards the ocean, its ocean is part of it. That's, yeah, be extreme. Let's put it this way. We design behind our so-called philosophy. We are starting to kind of theorize of our own thinking is the ocean, the sky, the land, and the building is together in our design. It's one thing. Not the building only, the, the, the architecture is only one thought of that. Without the other connections and the thinkings or your experience, it's not going to be exist. It's, it cannot be separated. So category-wise, we, yes, including philosophy, the Chinese people say China has no philosophy because you, you only have a thinking, you're blending everything together. You never give a concrete answer of a perfect ending. It's, uh, it's, keep, it's a progressing of the thinking. So even it gave a sentence, that sentence can lead in, can forked out in different possibilities. <laughs> oh, okay. But again, let me try to be, let me try to be super concrete and use this example of this, uh, of this library and imagine a thought experiment. So I appreciate the idea that as architects, you are always aware of the specific nature of the environment in which you are building something, in which you are creating something and that you have to make it integrated into that larger picture, the cityscape, but also the natural environment, as you say, the earth, the sky, the ocean, and so forth. But the way I'm looking at this, perhaps completely incorrectly, but the way I'm looking at this is to say, okay, you have these principles. You have these, these principles of 
what I would call integration. These are my words and they're doubtless the wrong words, but they're the only ones I've got. So I'm just going to give them to you. Um, but then I think, okay, supposing uh, I'm interested in a project which is not in China. Supposing I'm interested in building uh, uh, building something in a similar geographical environment to, to what this library was built in, uh, tropical or, or subtropical with an ocean and and palm trees and a beautiful community like this. And, I, and I'm interested in you uh, not obviously making that exact copy because you would never do that. You would have to have it fit into the general uh, uh, conditions of the environment, but the environment would be roughly similar. And so the end result wouldn't be terribly different, I would imagine. Um, and when I look at that, I would, I would imagine, would it be possible, I should have come to a much faster question. I have a tendency to ramble on, so I apologize for that. But my question is, is somehow, could you take this idea, this library more or less, this construction more or less that incorporates these principles and integrates into the environment and put it in a place which has, which is not China? Because that's what I would think would be possible. Again, it would resonate with me as somebody who's not familiar with any aspect of Chinese history or Chinese philosophy. I can say that you, as the architects, as the creators, have been influenced by these principles. But nonetheless, these principles travel. They, they work. They, they somehow combine to create something unique that, that exactly. uh, you people have produced that would, that would influence me. Is that a, that's a fair way to look at it? Yes. Yes, it's uh, the thinking behind it, or what we, you know, from our experience, or what you know, we we still who we are, and uh, the principles is the same, but the final result is different. Will be different. Exactly the same condition, but someplace else, Miami near the ocean. The final maybe because mad, we never repeat ourselves. Sure. Or we learn from from you know even it's a, we are very happy with the project it's very beautiful the experience is great but still we learn from each other or we are thinking much deeper than this project is one year ago so if there is a, a place in near the ocean but not in China or even in China uh, the thinking yes the principle will be the same but uh, the the building I I I, I think it will be different. Sure. No, I, 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 I realized that I didn't express myself very well. So that I think there are two things, two things that are different that are going on. One is, uh, as creative artists, you're never going to repeat yourself. I, I get that. And I, I understand that, that however successful you have been, you don't want to simply iterate something that you've done before. And I think perhaps that's even a danger that you, uh, that you face uh, as you get more and more successful uh, as artists. But that's a whole other question. So I, I understand that. What I'm what I'm trying to understand is that well I can understand that you've been inspired by philosophical, cultural, aesthetic uh, combinations resulting from your Chineseness. Um, I'm 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 questioning this notion of to what extent a particular project fits only in China or or is or should be associated with China. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, yes. so I guess a better way to ask that question would, would be, had you not made that particular project that we were just talking about, this library, imagine a possible world where you didn't actually create it, but instead you created something that embodied those principles and was not all that dissimilar in Miami or, or, or in somewhere else. Would that have been possible? Would it have been in any way a cultural clash? Would it have worked in the same sort of way? 
yes but at the same time like uh, we are all our own you know thinkings and bodies and what we're good at what we're what is the special we have which is different from you from the other architect especially for architects group like us that's our strength uh, if i say i'm um, do a french style do you believe i can do it or you know but i'm not talking about the chinese language it means all the red color you never see anything like you know chinese so-called traditional elements what we believed is again it's it's a spiritual it's an idea it's a beauty which we learned which we know the language we learn better than i learned chinese book or you know the other things so that's our that's our special right yes we practice or let's do this uh, other international architects like us you call you even call them our you know international architects you know you know sahadi ramku house uh, they are in the way they might not talking about i'm modern Buddhism or um, something, but you, the better they do, just like artists, you see personalities in the design, the buildings they have. I, I don't want to call it a style. Style is too much kind of like a surface material, only, only very, very shallow, but it's a personality. Right. It's what they are. Then it's about their culture. It's about their education. It's about their belief or values. So what I'm describing, even you know, because I'm saying in Chinese, because that's what we're good at. That's why I can read more. I understood. I think back. We discuss. Of course, we all three of us are educated, and none of the building immediately you see you say, oh, that's a Chinese building. No, but that's what we explaining and what we the progress of design we have been through. And do you think it's the case that if you were to Jump into the future. Imagine what's going to happen over the next fifty years, say. And I'm not just talking about your efforts and Mad's efforts, but in general, you mentioned that there are far more people who are.、Uh, the architectural community is very international. That people travel from one office to the other. They get their education in different places. When you were younger, the paradigm was to go to the United States. Uh, almost exclusively, and now people are traveling all over the place for their professional development. That there will be a greater cultural broadening. There will be a greater trend towards interleaving or, or intermixing of cultural influences as we as we look at global architecture fifty years from now. Would you say that that's inevitable, or that's necessarily going to happen, or would you say that's that's not going to happen? That's necessarily going to happen. Not only. Uh, uh, culture into different、uh, kind of different cultures,、uh, you know, merge or learning from each other. But also the discipline I'm talking about, you know,、uh, architecture, I think need really go outside of the to to study to read、uh, philosophy and、uh, archaeology because that's the method. That's you know, you if you want deep into the culture of architecture, you only deep by In the very shallow, we're talking about globally the culture exchange. We already did. It's so much, you know, different to compare with only twenty years ago or thirty years ago. But I want to have a discipline into class. So that's at least for my personal interest now. 
I read much more outside of the so-called architecture history book. Mm. I read a history book, history. It's about cultural history. It's about, uh, it's about uh, yes, different uh, the origins of uh, let's say economic and political and uh, but all has kind of philosophy, global and br much broader fundamental background to support one to another. One of the the distinctions that I thought you said that I thought I picked up on when you were talking before about cultural distinctions between East and West is this notion of the West representing individualism and the East representing a form of collective societal orientation. So I have other questions, but let me just stop there and ask you, is that a reasonable distinction to make? This idea that broad brush, there is a proclivity towards valuing intellectual, individual beliefs and values and likes and dislikes in the West, as opposed to uh, an Asian or Chinese orientation, which is more collectivist in nature. Is that a fair distinction to make? No, I'm only talking about from architecture point of view. Okay. Designing reading space of public experiences throughout the series of move languages to unite together as the whole thing to connect with the land, the sky, and the sounding and the nature. I'm not experts of, I, I, well, I can, I can, well, it's only the person, person, you know, reading a few books that doesn't make me experts to conclude the so-called philosophy difference between the East and the West. I'm talking about from that, I'm looking back to architecture design, how, how, it, how it can be different, how to change the nature, how to change the nature in the design. Okay. So I guess the, the, the meta comment that I want to make is I'm not making any judgment whatsoever. I'm just, I'm, I'm just literally trying to understand. And, and one, of the, one of the problems that I have, not even so much with architecture in general, but one of the conceptual problems I have whenever people talk about East and West or different cultural orientations is, of course, there are cultural differences. Of course, there's history, there's tradition, there's orientation in different places, there's language, there's philosophy, there's literature. And I am not for a moment saying that uh, every culture is the same. And, and I am not for a moment saying that it is desirable for every culture to be the same. I think that's part of the glory of, uh, of the world, that we go to different places, people think differently, they act differently, they, they react in different ways, they have different values, they have different orientations. But of course, the question is, up to what point is that the case? Because that's why I mentioned specifically some of the projects that I had seen that you had done that resonated with me as somebody who doesn't come from that culture, who doesn't come from that particular background. And I, and I would guess that like any great art, that's a goal that you were trying to achieve. You were not trying to say, we are going to come up with a project which would only be valued by people who live in this particular area or that particular area, or who speak this language or that language, that your goal would be to create something which would be valued and respected uh, by, by everyone who has, at least who has reasonable, or at least most people, as many people as possible, perhaps. 
Um, and so there's a tension there between the universality of the, the human experience and our aesthetic orientation and the individual cultural differences that have to be respected. And so what I'm trying to do is, is explore that both from the, uh, from the creator's perspective, from your perspective, and also on the, on the receiving side of things. To what extent would I be more or less impressed by a work that Mad Architects is creating if I come from this cultural tradition or that cultural tradition? That, that, that's, the, uh, that's my motivation for asking these sorts of questions. Yes. Okay, understood. <laughs> well, yes, uh, I, I think, yes, it's just, you know, when you, again, uh, maybe just because, uh, you know, we practice, we're, we're, I'm as architects, so when, when we're talking about everything related to how we design, you know, when we think about things, so, you know, that's, then I'm looking for the Chinese, uh, Chinese, let's say, the urban, the city, the history, how can I relate it to it? Uh, so that's why maybe come to the, to the outside, very strong. But when you look at the buildings, well, you don't see so-called one culture represent, oh, this is the language of from one culture, yes. I find architecture fascinating because it seems to me a very dynamic and active and important art form. So for example, I, I like to go to, to Italy and look at Renaissance art and so forth. And, and I find that beautiful and interesting but there is a certain sense that the sculpture and the painting that particularly resonates with me was of a particular time and place that is no more. Whereas architecture has this dynamism associated with it, and it has this impact on people's lives in a, in a, in a, in a much stronger way exactly. than if you were to go into a museum and, 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 and look at something. So maybe I can ask a question about that and, and specifically about China. So China is a country which is going through just unbelievably rapid change. I'm not a student of this, but I certainly think there's a case to be made that it's going through on the largest possible scale, uh, the most comprehensive societal change in human history. I mean, it's just remarkable what's what's been going on. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about the density and how the low foundation we started with 30, 40 years ago, yes. So I would imagine that architecture would, would be particularly significant, particularly important, given, given that, I would imagine that you would have an opportunity to have a, a tremendously large impact on many people's lives, not only because there's so much building, but because there's so much change in the societal structure. And I'm wondering to what extent you think your works have been welcomed, broad brush by, by Chinese society, if I can use that generalization. Has there been any concern that that somehow things are too modern or you're not, uh, what you have done is not uh, reflective of traditions sufficiently? Has there been any disagreement? Have there been any controversies in terms of, in terms of that, given the rapid societal change that has been going on in China? Yes, there, there has been all you mentioned, but uh, the first building we won the competition 15, 15 years back is uh, in Canada, the absolute tower. It's not after a hundred competitions through two years, we win an international competition, which has been built in Toronto, Canada. Yes, so it's, uh, uh, it's at the beginning, it's not necessary or the Chinese client or the project accept us. Uh, but the same thing, 
comes here, you know, there's people who say you're not traditional enough, or you are, you're, 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 you're too much foreign. They, they don't consider us a Chinese. They say, oh, really? Even I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about more close to them. But uh, we are just a, a practice, a office practice. So we don't, in the way we don't ask him for work. We don't ask him for, we're going to change the whole city. We're going to do all the work. When we see, when the client come to us, or we see a project quite interesting, which we can do something first we are happy with, we can express our thinking and the design behind it, then we do it. Right. So all the, all the things you said about uh, people question, you know, our design, question our buildings, or not thinking the building as we think we delivered to the city or to the people who use it. Yes, there's still a majority, even China has a lot of opportunities. Even with 17 years ago, we did 100 competitions. It doesn't mean there's no work for us to do. To do. It's because we insist on what we are believed in until somebody think the same way, the client think the same way. Let me return to another question that I asked before, at least another topic I alluded to. I could imagine that the more successful you become, which is nice, everybody wants to be successful, everybody wants to be renowned, everybody wants to be influential, but is there a concern that you have that the more successful you are, the more recognized your work is, the more even iconic it becomes? there is a, a, a greater danger that you, or greater concern that you might be repeating yourself? Yes, yes. Is there a sense that you 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 fall into this category of, of perhaps being the victim of your success to some extent? Is that is that a, a concern? Not, not, not necessarily repeating ourselves. It's because when you have so many projects, we are just, you know, just who we are, three of us. You, you couldn't, you know, you, you accept the project already because you are too busy. You are, you are, you know, uh, we're not think deeply enough. You cannot delay, you know, artists, if I'm dry, I can stop, you don't have client. But for us, yes, yes, we, we are quite aware of it. We are very kind of, uh, be careful. Yeah. Nowadays, it's better. We used to, you know, actually, I believe seven, seven, eight years ago, we're so kind of so-called popular, like we accept all the work. Then suddenly, then we sit down, we look at what we have been done. We're like, no way. <laughs> yes, yes, there's a danger. There's always a danger. At that time is we cannot deliver kind of we think could be better. So we always say we should do better. The next project or the current project need to at least one moment or something better than the one we have been, you know, we have done. But nowadays it's different. We we think we still need much more. I, I don't want to call education. I want to call reading and thinking. Yeah. Let's take time, look at what have been done and what we are facing in the way we want against the speed. It's been so fast and so quick. Of course, Chinese, we do things very quickly. I, I want to ask a, a different question about incorporating environmental issues in your work, green architecture and so forth. You clearly are very perceptive about the environment and it's part of your overall philosophy. Do you consciously think about incorporating environmentally friendly 
aspects to the architecture and how concretely and specifically do you go about doing that? You talk about reading and you talk about working in other contexts, reading and understanding the history, reading and understanding the space and the environment, studying archaeology, studying the culture, getting a general sense of, of involvement of, of the people and the space in, in which you're going to be constructing. But I would imagine that on the, on the environmental side, you not only have to have the desire that, yes, it's a good thing to be doing green architecture, but you also, there's a lot of technical stuff, presumably, that one would yes, have to know. And absolutely. I would imagine that would change rapidly as well. So describe to me that process and concretely uh, how much effort you put in and what the effort actually is in terms of green architecture. Yes. So there's a two, technically, there's a two standards. One is American standard called LEED. So you lead the architecture standard, so L-E-E-D. Uh, so you're, you have the lead gold or silver or brown means the different levels of environmental friendly using architecture building materials. Material is a huge thing. Not only the materials need to be recyclable, also the materials uh, uh, from the distance, you move the materials to the location of your building. That's cost the cars, the gas, and everything, including. So they lead you, they give you the, 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 the score, uh, which one you fit. The second one is the Chinese standard. We also has so again you have the lower the middle and the higher but why it's a different three level or even more five levels of standard is because of the construction cost you can imagine the higher you go the most expensive it gets because at once of that building period of time in terms of the manpower the cars moving your materials inside concrete and the metals or stones from the outside how many distance then the interior materials all be considered then the 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 higher number you get the score you get the more expensive you will get for the building so it's of course it's very technical uh, not only this the structure engineer the building cannot fall that's about humans life and uh, you know, and the pollutions uh, when you mix the concrete, the, that's that's why the China, China pollution one is because of the industry. You know, we build so much, we have the we have the factory, but also it's about the construction site. The construction site, the, all the dirt is blowing, and uh, you know, for two years or three years, that's another pollution come from very huge one. So yes. Uh, that's why I, I, I sometimes I say architects is not artist. It's a team. It's not just MAD's office, MAD office. It's also the whole design team. We also have consultant who specialize in environmental numbers and uh, you know the client will have a target at the very beginning. I want to have a lead gold, then all discipline. Architects is only one part of it, the structuring engineer the mechanical, the electrical, the landscape, the lighting consultant, even, you know, how much lights and also the, 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 all, the, all, the, all the necessary other things. So it's the whole team needed to, when the client or when the whole, everybody decided we're going to apply for Chinese standard or something or American standard or something for environmental for this building, all the disciplines follows. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's technical, it's very difficult, including the construction side. The whole idea of a team aspect 
brings us naturally to the question of management. And, and you had said that of the three principles, you are the one who is perhaps most involved on the management side, on the coordination side. Now I understand there are different aspects of that. There's coordinating architectural design. There is, as you say, interacting with structural engineers. There's interacting with the client. There's all sorts of different levels of management and, and, and interaction. Is this something that you particularly enjoy? And what parts of it do you enjoy more than others? And what parts of it do you not enjoy at all? <laughs> well, I quite enjoy. But uh, the collaboration side, I always, from the, from my personality, I always go to the technical part. I have to learn. I have better, or I have to understand all the other discipline to make it happen, To in, in order to convince architects, no matter which you know, practice or offices, architects should be the leadership of a building construction. So including the, or the consultant or construction site, the architects is the one, not the structure engineer, not the landscape designer, not the other facade consultant, the architects has to be the one. So I'm enjoying it because I think I, I really, I, when I entering a meeting or entering the other consultants, let's say, other experts' presentation, I'm enjoy it because I learn so much from them. Oh, okay, the structure engineer, if you have the columns, you know, nine to nine, it costs a little less if you do it 18 meters. So that's why architects has to be older in order to get their building interesting because of the experiences that you never learn from the school. Yeah. So you're entering a field, you, you have a building build, you learn one after a year, year after a year and after a year. I think I'm in, the, in that way, I'm better than other two. <laughs> I, can, I can kind of put in my mind and then mix it. Then I, so I never manage a team or a project only for pure management point of view. So we never have someone not architects trained in our team as a management. That's a story from me. I told them I don't, so as an office does. Okay, so this person might not be architects, be just pure from business school or something. Uh, they manage a team well from their office. Uh, my office, I don't believe it. Yeah. I believe you have to know, you know, you're not expert, but you understood, you think, oh, maybe, maybe not nine meters, because from my experiences, other structure engineer did kind of 10.2 meters, or also work with the parking lot, then goes up, the structure is balanced with the cost, and with the, how much concrete. So that's, that's, that, that's me. And in terms of managing the design team, a couple of things. First of all, I could imagine, based upon what you said, that the office is becoming more and more international. There are young people who are coming to work for you from different parts of the world. And so that must be invigorating in some ways. Are there any, are there any difficulties? Or are there any particular challenges that are associated with having an increasingly international no, internationally I think it's, no, no, I think it's all good things. We're quite, in terms of the working relationship for the office culture, it's quite relaxed. I think all the, the, you know, the, all the international architects only can kind of make cheer the office up. 
because everybody speak. Let's. I, I, I give you an example. Uh, when we interview Chinese architects, uh, we usually ask, do you know English? You know, because this is kind of an English situation. Uh, the international situations, they were like, oh, well, I, I express very badly. I said, don't worry. Even with foreigners, their, their native language, most of them are not English. They're from Spain, they're from some other place. Thailand, Japanese is the worst, I'm sorry, but they're, they're the one I, I love. They're, they're really so precise and so nice and hard work. So it's, it's, it's only the good things. If you own uh, international, if you have long, you know, international uh, stuff, and everybody, you know, we, we share cultures, we share everybody when they, you know, Christmas, New Year, when they go home, they have to bring all the special food and uh, and the snacks back to the office. So we have a happy hour to share some other cultures' foods. It's only a good thing. I, I never thought any bad thing out of it. So we are always very open, sometimes 30%, sometimes even half of the people stuff are international stuff. Wow, wow. And especially they are they're young and the reasons they apply to us is they come to Beijing and I made the office is they see what we, as a so-called young architect's office, what we have done. They're very passionate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And what about on the pedagogical side? So you mentioned when you started an architecture school many years ago, there was very little to no computer technology, no computer data design or any of that. You were just drawing and so forth. And, and, and I imagine that that's completely different in terms of the education that people have today, the young people who come through and are very technologically adept and know all the tools and so forth. Has that in any way come with any sort of a cost associated with it. Yes, yes. Is there a certain sense that people are so dependent on and so used to computer-aided design or using computers for all sorts of things that they don't draw so much themselves, for example? Exactly. And, and, and if so, is that, a, is that a problem in any way? Yes. Uh, well, you see, the building says the one you like in Heiko, the library, it's very organic. It cannot be done. Uh, well, uh, technically, it cannot be done by drawing, but it, it can. You know, Gaudi has done organic buildings uh, when the days uh, there's no such a computer as uh, as uh, as drawing. But at the same time, yes, we appreciate all the young kids, all the architects in our office are quite technical strong. They do computers can make organic shape and uh, quite easy. But we keep saying every single time of the meeting, we keep saying, put down your computer, use pencil to draw we don't want to use use pen to draw use pencil to draw even use stroke the chinese ink to draw because that your hand directly have that organic shape hmm. it's not computer can you know you 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 will say oh okay i need higher then i need a, we keep saying this Yes, the, even even last week, I asked one of the architecture school in China, asking them whether or not they still teach the student to draw by hand, also by render by hand. They said hardly, but I we, we see the difference. So we 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 asking everybody stop at the moment we are blocked. We cannot get through. We we like also oh, bad, but we, we don't know what to do. We say okay, forget it. 
put down your computer and have a sketch paper, even you know, to, to, to write Chinese characters because they are more formed like instead of a computer made. And look at uh, old paintings, look at uh, very beautiful art piece, sculptures. That's what we do. Yes. So that's fascinating to me. So could it be that there is a sense that somehow the aesthetic sensibilities or emotional sensibilities are more clearly or directly produced by using Bodies. pen or that particular yes. tool, pencil, through, through the body, body somehow, yeah. as opposed to through a, through a computer? Yes. Huh. For our office, yes. Yes. Do other people say that as well? I, I don't know other office. I don't know other office. Even we, you know, we always have a project internal reviews. You know, we describe it. Okay, well, the Chinese the Chinese character is Xing Yun Liu Sui. It's like a cloud. It's like floating off the water through mountain. That's never can be captured. That's a moment or something very beautiful throughout directly from your hand, from your head or heart to the hand. It has to be. So when they, oh, there's another term in, in the architecture field. It's ration, rationalize. Rationalize uh, organic shape to something can be built. So we are, of course, the building has to be built. We have the rationalization of that period of time to design progress. But sometimes we say, loosen it up. I don't want your computer shape. I want your hand drawn. You you draw it you 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 trace it over your computer you in your computer you draw exactly like your hand drawing that's what we do we sketch it out you know you we scan it in we put it in the computer then you trace the computer to follow your hand drawing right but when I when I asked if other people are concerned about this I'm not so much thinking about other firms or competition or anything like that I I mean you're a professional architect. I'm sure you have lots and lots of contact with people who are other professional architects who teach architecture and so forth and so on. Is there a general sense that, oh, these kids today, you know, they're, they're great in all these different ways, but there's too much of a reliance on the technology. We should be teaching more of this, uh, this expressiveness, this direct expressiveness uh, in the schools, or there are too many buildings that are made in a, in a, in a cold, detached, yes. uh, rationalized way. Is, is, is there a, you're presumably not the only person who thinks that. Well, and, and it must so... be a small part of the people who are talking about that, because I, I said last, even last week, I saw some of the students work, ask if they still teach, because in my education, the first two years, you really draw, you, you, you know, you learn sketches, yeah. you learn watercolor, it's all just like artists' education, oh, but really? they hardly do, yeah, they hardly do this anymore. Or only a few schools who are quite connected with artists' education, they do, but uh, overall, the architecture, Education. I don't. Yes, they don't do it. They they teach you how to draw from the computer. Okay. I just have a few more questions. You've been very generous with your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. What sort of, if any, frustrations do you have? If you could go back in time and correct some of the mistakes that were made, or or at least if you could change things in some particular way, what would you change? Are there some things that you regret? Uh, in terms of your education, your learning process, specific aspects of buildings, do you have any of those, those sorts of regrets or frustrations or, or none to not, speak of? Not regrets. The, you know, if we want to go back to change something, maybe at the beginning of our practice, the experience is not 
it's not good enough. So there's a building, so maybe our thinking behind it is good, but realization, architecture, there's another thing, realization. You know, when your people experience it, is that build good enough? Maybe we, we, you know, if go back to time, maybe we can change something we didn't build so well. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Well, they are not good quality of, of the finishes, of the finishes okay. of the building. Yes. Right. And what sort of recommendations would you have for young and up-and-coming architects? Perhaps somebody who is in high school thinking about choosing architecture as a profession, what recommendations might you have for, for her? I think that this person, hopefully lucky as me, need to kind of know the architecture is the one this person like, really want to put it's, it's, there's no separation of job. For me, it's no separation of job all your life. It's, it's one thing. It's, it's the whole thing. You're part of architecture. That's your life. That's your everything. You have, to, you have to love it to learn. Then if you really think that's your, you know, that's your, 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 your passion, then read more, think more, draw more, <laughs> not computer, <laughs> but train your skill, train your feelings and hand and emotions. Be yourself. And let's turn to you and and let me ask what your goals are for the next, say, five or 10 years, both professionally in terms of where you would like the firm to be, but also personally in terms of your own intellectual development, your own artistic development, your own historical awareness and, and, and education. What are what are your goals for the next next few years? I think for me also for the for the office is the same. Uh, hopefully we can, you know, after seventeen years of practice or even more, probably five, ten years, we we have our own theoretical thinkings and even publishes of writings behind it, which works with our practice, ongoing practice. So, two things: one, approve or even enhance the design itself, that the design give feedback to what the thinking behind. We only have one going quite far, and only recent years, we are starting to looking back and basically have something, conclusion, or you know, learning from each other, or, or also learning from, uh, from the others and outside. But we want this two to become two things together go forward. I don't know. I don't know what five years, ten years, what the building looks like. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Maybe turning to box. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> well, this was great. Do you, uh, Chun? Do you have any other questions for me, or is there anything you would like to add to embellish upon uh, something that perhaps we we omitted or we didn't we didn't talk about enough? Is there anything you'd like to? No, I, I think, uh, yes, I think I got uh, quite enough. And, uh, you know, I also almost answered all the questions and talk about uh, the things that I think, uh, you know, it, it, what's in our mind, it's what's in my mind at this period of time. That's who we are at this moment. Yes, but I'm quite interested in, because I, I you know, you interviewed quite a lot of philosophers and, uh, you know, other disciplines. I'm quite interested any one or any few people you you think is interested and i want you to recommend it to me i listen to, uh, you know i would love to to listen to well you're welcome and encouraged to listen to to everyone i'm not sure that would be that would be reasonable <laughs> 
But to, just to touch upon a point I made before, I, I am personally, I'm fascinated by this idea of where one draws the line between cultural distinctiveness and the universality of, of aesthetic appreciation, mm-hmm. the human condition, as it were. And so perhaps I'm just repeating myself, but I, I see this as very interesting because, of course, uh, as I said, I'm not Chinese. I can't appreciate that, uh, uh, that culture and that, that background to any significant extent. But one of the things that I think uh, MAD represents and, and other companies represent as well is they give me a window into that world. So as somebody who is an outsider, uh, I have some degree of appreciation or I can have those cultural principles or that background or that history influence me, perhaps in a subtle way, perhaps in a non-conscious way. But I have the opportunity to have a richer life because I have been influenced by these different points of view, exactly. these different just like, uh, yes. orientations. Like, like readings, you know, I'm not just a reading Chinese. Exactly. It's, uh, it's like open up. It's your, your, your life, the richness of your life is not only through your own experiences, it's, it's through talking to people like you, reading books, and uh, yes, agree. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Those interested in more information about Ideas Roadshow are directed to ideasroadshow.com, while those who are curious about me and other projects I'm involved in are recommended to visit howardburton.com. Thanks very much for listening, and I hope you'll tune into another Ideas Roadshow podcast on the New Books Network soon. We release a new one each Wednesday. Thank you.